It's a thrill to be here and a thrill to stand in this pulpit uh, and preach the gospel today um, in Daniel's stead. Uh, you need to know how much uh, Daniel means to me. Uh, when I was becoming a teacher in the household of God, I was given a number of books to read uh, by my teachers, uh, some in the classroom and some who stood in this pulpit for 37 years and preached the gospel to you and to me. And one of those books uh, was a, a book by a man named Aristotle called The Teacher. It was written about, oh, 400 years, 350 years before Jesus was born. And in that book on The Teacher, he said, teachers and students have no right to expect friendship because the work that teachers and students do is too serious to produce friendship. And then he says, but occasionally, on those rare occasions, Friendship will emerge in the lives of teachers and students. And I'm friends with Daniel Mutters, and I'm proud of him and proud for you, although I do pray for you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm glad you've gotten some time off. Uh, and I'm glad that you've been willing to uh, have a professor come today. Uh, I know it's not easy to have a professor stand in a pulpit. There will be a test at the end of this sermon, so I hope everyone's ready. Donnie Altbrook, better get that pen out. Get ready, son. Uh, but uh, no, there won't be a test. But you know, it's, it's hard on churches to hear professors. We're not exactly preachers, uh, even though many of us have preached for years and pastored churches. Uh, and when I became a professor, uh, uh, one of my friends took me aside and he said, I know you've preached and everything. He said, but it's hard for churches to have professors come and preach in their pulpit. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I'll tell you what happened to me. He said, uh, when I was young like you, uh, they needed somebody to come out. The pastor got sick and they called the office and I was the only one there. So I went out to this church, a little white church, kind of up on a hill, kind of like this one. Pulled in the parking lot, not a lot of cars, not very optimistic. He said, when I walked in the door, said there was a man sitting in the hallway, right, like right out there, had his head down in his hands. And he said, when I walked in the door, he jumped up and he grabbed my hand and he said, welcome to our church. You must be a visitor here. He said, well, yes, I am. And the fellow looked at him and said, well, that's a shame. You've picked an awful Sunday to come. <laughs> We're going to have one of them professors come here and talk to us today. <laughs> and maybe you'll come back next week when we have a real preacher in our pulpit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he said he caught sight of that man. My friend told me, he said when he came out to preach, he caught sight of that man slipping him down into her purse. And uh, they didn't talk to him after church. But uh, I'm here to preach the gospel today. If you have your Bibles and want to turn with me to the deepest, darkest part of the deepest, most difficult book in all the New Testament, Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the book of Romans. I'll be reading this morning from the 10th chapter, the uh, verses 5 uh, through 10. So hear the word of the Lord. Now Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law. This is what he says. That person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says something else. It says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down to us. Or who will descend down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead to do us good. 
But what does it say? This is what it says. The Word, the Word of God, it's near you. The Word of God is on your lips. It's in your hearts. That's because of the Word of faith that we proclaim. Because, Paul says, if you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For one who believes with his heart is justified, and the one who confesses with the mouth is saved. The Scripture says, no one who believes in Jesus will be put to shame. This is the Word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, in these next few moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock, and you are our Redeemer. Without you, Jesus, our lives will come to nothing. But Jesus, we believe in you. And we know that with you, salvation can be real. So save us, Jesus. Amen. I was uh, thinking about uh, what I would do uh, if Daniel had come to me. Now, mind you, you know, this is very optimistic. You just have to know Daniel. Uh, that story that he told is not just true. It's truer than true. Uh, some students are just difficult to deal with. Can I get amen in the household of God? <laughs> can I? <laughs> Today? You know, he's not here. We can say what we want. Brother Byler, <laughs> thank you so much. God bless you. But if Daniel had come to me and said, you know, uh, Dr. Hoskins, uh, I, I've got this time. You know, if any of my students would have just ever come in the office, you know, now this hasn't happened, but if they would, and they say, you know, I've got three months this summer, I've got a job line, but I've got time on my hands. And I'd like to do something that would sharpen all of my skills in the ministry. I'd like to learn to read the Bible better. Somebody ought to say amen. I'd like to learn the theology that we believe in, that there is a Trinitarian God, that God the Father sent the Son, and the Son gave His life so that we might be saved. And when the Son ascended to heaven, God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to remind us, as John 14 says, of everything Jesus taught us and to lead us into all truth. I'd like to spend some time, Dr. Hoskins, on the great rhetoric of the church. Rhetoric is something we have forgotten. How to make a speech, how to give a sermon, how to appeal to the heart, to reach into the inmost being of someone and tell them the truth about their lives so that they can be different, so that they can be changed. I'd like to, Dr. Hoskins, I'd like to spit, if that happened, after I picked myself up off the floor, I would say Romans 10. Romans 10 is a very, very interesting passage. It's, it's like the, the deepest, darkest theological argument in all of the New Testament, in the deepest, darkest theological argument, the, the book of Romans, that we have. If you read the book of Romans, there is much in there to be gained. Romans 1 to 4, Paul makes very clear. He says, who is God? 
God is the one who has made promises to us. Promises in Abraham. Promises in Moses. Promises in Jesus. And this is who God is. God keeps His promises. Everyone. Romans 5 to 8, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be forgiven of your sins, to be washed clean, to be made pure, to be changed in a moment, to be saved, to know that you are a child of God, that you are loved, that God has His hand on your life, that He watches over you and your household and your children and your children's children unto all generations. What does it mean to be saved? Not only to be forgiven of our sins, says Romans 5 to 8, but it means that God lives in us so that we can be righteous, different, not righteous in any haughty sense, but to be able to know our place in the universe so that we might live for God and live in service to others regardless of their need regardless of their place in the social ladder, regardless of whatever it is. But the righteousness of God lives unto faith, and faith lives unto service to Almighty God and to our fellow human beings. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, says Jesus. And here Paul says, this is what it means to be saved. Romans 12 to 16, what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean for those of us who are Christians to be living a life together? And you know what Romans 12 to 16 says. If you don't, open up your Bible. Start underlining. It's unbelievable. It says things like this. Present yourselves a living sacrifice unto God. Do not return evil for evil, but live a good life and be good to everyone regardless of who they are to you and without any sense of reward. Give your life to God. And He will make of it something that you cannot fathom or imagine. But Romans 9 to 11, now that's a different matter. Uh, there is in the great story of the New Testament, the great story of Jesus, the, the fact that Jesus Christ, born of a woman and born of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus was born a Jew a first century Palestinian citizen. Jesus in the line of David. The Jews to whom God had made all the promises. I will save the world through you and your offspring. He looks at, at Abraham. He looks at Moses. I will make of you a great nation. I will give you a righteous life. But things hadn't worked out so well. And here Paul tackles this very, very interesting. We're still fighting it in American politics. If you want to know how important it is, 2,000 years later, we are still fighting this very argument. What is God going to do with the Jews in American politics? It's fascinating. And Paul, who is always in for a good fight, kind of like Daniel Matters. That's why you love some students more than you love others. But Paul, who is always in for a good fight, just sort of throws open the door and he says, Here, here's the truth. Jesus Christ died for all, everybody, 
The Jews, the Gentiles, you, me, Rhett, we, when I was a little kid in this church at VBS, when Emmeline Mitchell made sure when we had the Easter egg hunts out back, and I got the golden egg and none of her six children. <laughs> just true story, boys and girls. Just want to lay the facts out there so you know the truth. I'm sure you hear a lot of things. But we used to sing the great gospel of God, that God saves everyone, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And here Paul says, Jesus Christ died for all. That means Jesus Christ died for the Jews. Paul says the reason that I've become an apostle here in the book of Romans, he says the reason that I do my work, the reason that I preach so hard with the Gentiles that I go on missionary trips and I go to churches that are listed in your New Testament, churches like Ephesus and Thessalonica and Corinth, the reason that I do that work, he says, is I'm hoping the Jews will take notice of what God can do in a human heart. I'm hoping that the Jews will learn something about how great and mighty the salvation, that Jesus Christ can forgive any sin. His grace goes deeper. He says, I do that with hopes that the Jews will take notice and get saved. Because he says right here, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jew, Gentile, Greek, male, female, all of us. Very, very interesting stuff. And then he says this, I, 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 I'm a Mitchell. We're not as affectionate as others. Anybody want to say amen? <laughs> We're not naturally easygoing people. Anybody know Bob Mitchell? Remember that memory? A wonderful man with his thumb ever in my back. There's more you can do, Steve Hoskins, with your life than you can imagine. You need to get to work. But Paul loved the Jews. He loved them so much, he said, I wish I could die and go to hell so that the Jews could get saved and be eternally with God. That's right here, Romans 9 to 11. He says, but that's not it. I can't die and give you salvation. Jesus Christ died and was risen again on the third day. And because of Jesus, the Jews can be saved. And you would think that would be enough. Anybody want to say amen? Have somebody tell you the truth about your life? Have somebody tell you that you need to get over your sinning? You need to do better? You need to give up your rough and rowdy ways? This was the old church of the Nazarene. I'd say you need to take your cigarettes out from underneath your shirt, put it up here on the altar. This isn't the old church of the Nazarene, so don't worry. It's a lot easier these days. A lot nicer. But to have somebody love you, and it just hadn't gone well. Paul was preaching, and the Jews were not coming to Christ. Do you all know anybody who's difficult to get to? <laughs> anybody got a list of names down deep in your Bible like I do? Of people you just know God is having a hard time with, and you are too. I keep that list right down in there. I want Jesus to know who has offended me. <laughs> Can I get an amen in the household of God? 
It's just so interesting to me. And, and here it is. And so Paul takes all the flowery language. He takes all the stuff I've just been talking about out of Romans. And he boils it down to that one little phrase. Do you know anybody who has that gift of wisdom? Who can just look at you and tell you the truth about your life in one simple little phrase. One sentence that gets to the heart of the matter. And here Paul does this. And Paul says to the Jews, here it is. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead then by your belief you will be forgiven of your sins and from your confession you will be saved. Amen. Just gets it right down there. You know, just, you know, tell me what I got to do, what I got to give up, what I got to join. How many things do I have to go through? What's the initiation ritual? No, 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 there's none of that here. Just boil it down. Give me the one sentence. Uh, if we tell the truth, um, the people in our lives who have done us the most good have had that ability. Uh, my grandmother used to do it. Stephen Hoskins, well and able. Get your elbows off my table. <laughs> Anybody remember those sentences? I, I wrote some of them down. It's really, really interesting. You know, just those simple little short sayings we need to hear. Actions speak louder than all for one and one for. Got to pull in the same direction. Here's one you probably don't remember. The one who, the one who can't dance, he thinks the band can't play. Yeah. Early to bed, early to rise makes one. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. Look at this. This is really interesting, right? You remember, we can remember these things, right? A penny saved is a penny earned. Uh, I, I, I could go on. <laughs> I, I, one you may not remember. When smashing idols, save the pedestals. You'll probably need them again. When you've decided you've had enough of them and you're going to give them what for and you pull out that hammer to just knock everything down and announce your freedom and your authority, you better save those pedestals. You'll be back later with your tail between your legs. Interesting. The more things change, the more they stay the same. The Bible is great at this. Do you know this? How many do you, how many, do you like short sermons here? You probably like them, but don't get much of them. Is that true? Anybody want to say amen? I mean, I'm going to pick on Daniel Metters as often as I can right now, okay? You know, I, I got this one shot at it, and he's not here to say one word about it. And then he can go on as long as he wants when he gets back, and I won't be here. Uh, and he'll know how happy that will make me. He will hear me laughing all the way to Trebekah. Do you like a short sermon? The Bible, I, I love, listen, I'm like you all. I'm the guest preacher, okay? I don't preach every Sunday. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to get famous. I don't get out there and say, oh, you got to help me. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm fine. I go to church, sit with my wife. She's laughing right now, you know, we're smiling at me. We just sit there and we listen to some of the longest some of it, it's just, it, it, can, can I get amen? A lot of the young people are laughing right now. I don't know what this means, but I like it, okay? But the Bible is great at this. 
The, 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 the New Testament is full of these short, clear, direct sentences that frame our lives that put us in the place of finding meaning in the universe. The book of James is wonderful at it. It says, be ye doers, and not just hearers of the word. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. And every good gift that we have comes down to us from the hand of the Father of lights. It gets to the heart of the matter. It reminds us just how important it is to have a short, quick testimony. A way to say to somebody, this is how to find your way to God. This is what your life in God ought to mean. The best Christians I know have had these sayings you know, written in their Bibles. Jesus was great at short sermons. Uh, he said, uh, it's easier for, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a person hanging on to their riches to make it into the kingdom of heaven. This is the hardest short sermon I've ever heard. Jesus just simply said, follow me. Not easy. Have to give everything up. Can't hold on to the past. Can't hold on to what you think is going to save you. Can't take advantage of other people. Can't store up treasures for tomorrow. You just simply go with God. You give Him everything. What is your verse? What's your sentence? Do you have one? If you don't, you should. This is the way meaning comes to us in life. We get all the big arguments. We think about everything that our lives can be and are. We think about everything we could do. But God boils it down to that one sentence. And they're all over the Bible. What's your sentence? I know some of your stories. I've watched some of you grow up. Some of you, I was there the day you were born. And I know some of your stories well enough to know that your sentence would be clear and simple. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, forgiven of every sin, set free from the power of sin. What is your sentence? You, you need a sentence because this is the way... This is the way God fills up our hearts and our lives, and everything flows out of these sentences. Shakespeare said there's sermons in stone and tongues in trees and books in brooks and good in every living thing. I learned that straight from the mouth of Bob Mitchell. Paul says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord of all, not Lord of some, but that you're sold out. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then by your confession you will be forgiven of your sins, and by that belief in your heart you will be saved. This is really, really great stuff. I knew a man once, um, I walked the halls of Baptist Hospital with him. I met him when he was old. 
the greatness of his career had passed him by. He was a pioneering heart surgeon. His name was Bob Harden. Bob was uh, the most interesting and amazing person I've ever known. I would walk the hallways with Bob. By the time I got to know him, he was old. He'd had to quit surgery. He was the first man in the history of the world to put an atomic pacemaker inside someone's chest and have them live. When the first monkey went into space, some of you old people, Bob Harden was in Life magazine holding the hands of a monkey who had come back to Earth and had a heart attack. And a young doctor at Fort Knox, Kentucky had reached into his chest and done this to his little heart and brought him back to life. And that was Bob Harden. I would walk the hallways of Baptist Hospital with him. We would go into the rooms. He was chief of staff. He was the person on the sidelines saying to everybody, get well, do better, we're here to help. I would watch old men walk up to him in the middle of the hallway and grab him and hug him like little girls because he had given them 23 years of life where their parents had saved them. And I used to sit in the dark of the night and pray because the burden for doctors is great and the burden for professors is great. And I would say, Bob, what is your verse? Bob, you pioneered heart surgery. First person in the world, atomic pacemaker. He said, oh, my verse is simple. With God, all things are possible. Do you have a verse? I have a verse. If you ask Daniel Metters what should be my verse, he'd probably say that God is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. That's Luke 6, by the way. If, if you're looking for something to hurl at your enemies later on today, you know, over Sunday dinner with your family, there you go. Uh, just remember God loves them too. Okay. But with the life I've lived, I've learned enough to live in Romans 5 for a very long time. Our sufferings teach us endurance. And endurance... That brings character. And character produces hope. Hope, well, that never disappoints. That's my verse. What's your verse? Jesus Christ came to forgive sinners. That's all of our verse. Paul here is giving you a verse. If you do not know in your heart, if you have never made the confession with your lips, if now is the time and today is your day, then just say it with me. With my mouth I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And in my heart, I believe, anybody want to say amen? That God raised Jesus from the dead. This is the gospel. It is the only chance we have it's the only thing that can save us. And today, well today, that promise is yours. Because if you read just a couple more verses down, it says not only is this true, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You look down there about verse 13, and it says this everyone, all y'all, everybody, 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Thanks be to God. He's our Savior. Hello, this is Pastor Daniel Metters again. I hope this morning's message has both challenged your heart or maybe given you a word of encouragement. If you feel like you would like to reach out and maybe continue this conversation in any way, please feel free to email us at ecnradioresponse at gmail.com. We hope you are well and God bless.